you were one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week is finding black holes with warped space. Your teacher is Fred Watson, Australia's astronomer at large at the Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources. Fred, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Richard. How are you doing? Good. What mm. is what is a black hole, Fred? <laughs> well, do you want a good answer or that? <laughs> so it's defined as a point in space with infinite density. And, you know, that immediately that makes no sense whatsoever. The reason why its density is infinite is that it's got no dimensions. It's a point, uh, so dimensionless. Um, it can have a mass, and we'll talk about that in a minute probably, but the dimensions are always zero, and that's what constitutes a black hole. The, the, the moment in your notes where the angels began to sing to me, <laughs> and I thought, Dickie, you're not as stupid as you think <laughs> you are, was um, you, you say it's that... The gravitational pull is so strong that not even light can escape it. That's why it's black. Indeed, exactly. So, um, and, and that was why the term came about back in the 1960s. 1967, if I remember rightly, was the first time it was used. Before that, it was called a gravitationally completely collapsed object. And that doesn't quite roll off the tongue as well as black hole does. Uh, but it was the fact, exactly as you've said, that this thing pulls in light uh, with such gravitational force that the light can't escape. And, and sometimes pulls in stars and yeah. sort of crushes them its gravitational pull is so strong. That's right, it does. But also, um, some of that stuff doesn't go into the black hole. So what, what we think happens is, first of all, the black hole looks black at a certain distance from it, and that is the radius of what we call the event horizon. It's the thing beyond which you can see no events, and that's the black bit. And we've actually seen an image of one of those with a telescope that I think you and I might have talked about a couple of years ago. So uh, there is also something called the accretion disk. These are all posh names for basically interesting stuff going on in space. The accretion disk is this swirling disk of material around the black hole, which is about to disappear into it. And, it, and that's the bit that we can see because one of the tricky bits is how do you find a black hole uh, if you've got this thing that's swallowing up all this material that material gets highly energized and releases x-rays and radio waves and they can be picked up with our telescopes and the the, the biggest ones the ones that are most active and most voracious in their chewing up of the surroundings they also squirt out jets of material at right angles to that disc it sounds completely counterintuitive, comes about because of magnetic fields in the black hole focusing these jets of debris uh, upwards from and downwards too from the black hole. So what we can see is the material they're consuming or in the process of consuming or in the process of being rejected from consumption. Exactly so. And, uh, see, I uh, told you I was bright. Uh, I thought, well, wait for that. well brighter than I thought I was. <laughs> Oh, you're a star, Richard. Yeah. You don't have to <laughs> this hide your last, light under this, a bushel. This won't, this won't last long, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> but the trick is, could there be what you might call quiescent black holes, ones that are not doing this great gobbling up act, um, which we don't know about? And that's really the, the theme of tonight's uh, self-improvement Wednesday. Because <laughs> This is where we get to the complicated no, bit. No, she'll, the, she'll up be to now right. it's been Trust limbering me. up. <laughs> Trust me, Richard, it'll be fine. So, so um, maybe I can ask the question that probably is on your lips. How big are they? <laughs> um, and the answer is, interestingly, they come in two different size ranges. That is a, another mystery. So there are what we call stellar mass black holes, the mass of a, 
probably 20 or 30 stars. Stellar just means something mm-hmm. to do with stars. So they're the small ones, right? The small ones, yeah. Um, and there are also supermassive ones, which are millions or billions of times the mass of the sun, uh, which is a very different, you know, you're now talking about a hugely different uh, regime in terms of the mass of these things. And we think that every galaxy, including our own Milky Way galaxy, has one of these things stuck in the middle of it. Uh, ours is a... F- modest one with a mass of about 4.1 million times the mass of the sun. But it's still there. It's in Sagittarius when you look at it. Okay, so either relatively small or Or huge. Why wouldn't there be ones in the middle? That's the great question. Uh, So astronomers wonder... First of all, why there, you know, these two big populations of them. We, we think we understand, we certainly understand how the stellar mass ones are formed. They're formed at the end of certain uh, massive stars' lives when they implode effectively. And we think the other ones, the supermassive ones, have been gobbling stuff up for almost the full age of the universe. So they've got very, very fat indeed. But as, as you said, there's, there's virtually nothing in between. So one of the quests of modern astronomy is looking for these what are called intermediate mass black holes, somewhere between maybe 100 and 100,000 times the mass of the sun. Mm. Now we come to two Melbourne researchers who may have done just that. Uh, indeed, indeed, uh, that is exactly right. And not to leave one out, there are three of them. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I need to quite bright. A trio, a trio <laughs> of Melbourne researchers. Um, and they've done exactly that in a very unusual way. They've, they've answered both those questions. Are there quiescent black holes and are there intermediate black holes? And the answer to both is yes, just to cut to the chase in case we get cut off at the end. Uh, but they've done it in a really remarkable way by observing a phenomenon, a, an entirely different phenomenon to do with black holes. Um, we've known for 30 years, probably 40 years, that when uh, two stars collide deep in space, uh, sometimes, under certain circumstances, they release what's a burst of gamma radiation. Gamma radiation is like light, but at very high energies. Um, it's the sort of stuff that comes from nuclear reactions as well. So these two stars collide, a burst of gamma rays comes off, and that is a very short-lived thing. It lasts typically a second, sometimes less than a second, sometimes a bit longer. But what you've got now is this burst of gamma rays travelling through space. So the question is, what happens if one goes past a black hole? Uh, And the answer is that the black hole will do what anything massive in space does. It distorts the space around it, a process we call gravitational lensing. Uh, And that means that there is the possibility that your gamma ray pulse, as it traverses around the black hole, can be kind of split into two different beams of gamma rays, uh, which may have a time delay between them. And you can sense that because the the gamma ray is such a short burst that if you've suddenly got one followed by an echo, you're sure it's the same thing, but being gravitationally lensed by a massive object in between. Okay, so it's it's changed the trajectory, basically. Exactly. Okay, and that means we can... Um, figure out that there's something there. Even though you can't see the black hole... Uh, or you can the, see its impact. You can see its impact. You can yeah. see what it's done. It's, it's delayed one of these two pathways around it uh, for the gamma ray burst, and so you've got a, a time lag. So these researchers looked at a whole bunch of gamma ray burst data from historical records, and they picked on one who's got, which has the wonderful name of GRB, gamma ray burst, 
Who thought of that? Uh, 950830, which tells you it actually happened in 1995. It's a long time ago. But they've reanalyzed the exact structure of this pulse of gamma rays. And what they found was one burst of gamma rays with a kind of echo uh, about half a second later. And so... Now the tricky bit comes, and the bit that, to be honest, I don't understand either, <laughs> Richard, because it's all done in how computers. Ple- how pleasing. <laughs> oh, look, it's the, the stuff that people do today with their algorithms is absolutely astonishing. Uh, what they've done is they've used um, very sophisticated computer techniques to analyse these two gamma-ray bursts, which have come from the same source. And what they have calculated is that the object in the way that caused these two beams to kind of divide is a black hole with a mass of 55,000 times the mass of the sun, which it puts it right in right the middle. Right in the dead in the middle. Dead in the middle of the intermediate mass black hole range. Moreover, um, this thing has no... There's nothing to tell us that it's there other than it did that to the gamma rays. So there is no, you know... Um, accretion disk blazing out radio waves and x-rays it is a quiescent black hole so they exist and it's an intermediate mass one okay i've got a question though good if if, (laughs) i think i've got a question i hope i can answer it (laughs) let me let me go slowly here if uh if you're right that the small ones are basically formed when stars get so old they disintegrate into each other and the big ones been around forever, they're basically a product of the Big Bang or something like that. What would... <laughs> well, they've been around forever. I'll, I'll, they've, they've, I'll restrict gobbled, myself to that. Yeah, they've, they've gobbled up lots and lots of material over, over a, long, a very long, over period, a long of period of time. What's happening with the middle ones? Exactly. What, do, what forms... They, why do they form? Where do they come from? And the, the finger point... There's a, there's a number of different possibilities, but the one that I think is the most intriguing is that these may be... Uh, it, this, Example, GRB 9503-0830, I beg your pardon. That uh, has been gravitationally lensed by a black hole, as I've said, 55,000 solar masses, but it may be an example of what's called a primeval black hole or primordial black hole, I beg your pardon, get my primes right. Mm -hmm. One that was formed actually in the Big Bang itself. Uh, It was Stephen Hawking back in the 70s or 80s perhaps with other astronomers who proposed the idea that in the very early universe there may have been clouds of gas and it's hydrogen that we're talking about that were so dense because it was a hot dense environment that they didn't bother turning into stars. They just collapse straight into oh, a black okay, hole. Right. So it, it doesn't become a star and go through all that you know, star formation process. It just collapses straight into a black hole and creates a black hole known, as I said, as a primordial black hole. There's been recent research, uh, Richard, which um, actually suggests that there might be um, humongously large versions of those things. Uh, they had a, They had a Curious acronym, which I can't remember. I think it was slugs or something. Uh, it's a very, uh, very macho uh, acronym for possibly very, very large ones. But some astronomers also think there are very small ones, that they might be primordial black holes that are only the mass of the Earth, for example, which would make them really tiddly things in terms of black holery. But uh, it would explain the only way you could create one of those would be from the Big Bang itself. Okay, so they're older than the others, much older. Older than the yeah. others, yeah. Old, the middle one is the oldest. That is... Possibly true. And that, again, that illuminates this, and I think you should have your name on the paper because of that so. insightful Al- remark. Although Sheila does say, I can almost hear the breeze from your, from your hand rushing over your head. <laughs> she uh, may be right. How dare she? Uh, I understand everything. Of course.
And that's why... But only momentarily. <laughs> well, yes. I've got to have the notes in front of me as well, Richard. You, you remember when uh, everyone read The Brief History of Time? And, uh, you know, it was a huge bestseller. Yep. And, uh, and and there was this there was this sort of moment when you finished about the third chapter and you thought, hey, I, I understand this. This is great. Yeah. And then you woke up the next morning. But it's not realised you knew it, nothing. It, it, there's still echoes of it rattling around in your brain, which come to the surface when you do things like self-improvement right. Wednesday. They are, they are merely echoes of the Big Bang. Indeed, as, as are we all. <laughs> as are we all. Fred, that was a wonderful lesson. Thanks so much. Great There pleasure. you go, Fred Watson. Now, I know you won't need to hear it again because you'll have understood it all, but if you want to, you can do so, abc.net.au slash Sydney. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Next week, a lesson from Dr Kurt Iverson, Associate Professor of Urban Geography at the University of Sydney. That's Self-Improvement next week. Self-Improvement.